the spirit world around us. We are doing a live streaming, and tonight we're talking about the near-death experience, NDE, of Amy. And we're going to interpret what happened to her given the doctrine of spiritism. The doctrine of spiritism was codified by Alan Kardec in the 1850s. I recommend everyone get that book. You can find it on PDF, so it doesn't cost you anything. Just look up Alan Kardec, K-A-R-D-E-C and put a space in PDF and you'll find his book somewhere on the internet in PDF. I, I even have links to it on my blog, nwspiritism.com, but you can find it anywhere. So tonight we're talking about near-death experiences. And this, this episode of Amy comes from my book, What Really Happens During Near-Death Experiences According to Spiritism, 12 NDEs Explained and Explored. I'm going to put this... Uh, Facebook live streaming on my YouTube and BitChute channels. So you can you can um, look at the description down below on my YouTube or BitChute channel. Please subscribe, hit the bell, and you can get a link to all my books, uh, most of my books. If you want to see all of my books, go to nwspiritism.com. So let's get into Amy. This is a very interesting case. Now, she was married and a mother of a four-year-old at a time she experienced her NDE. She had a chronic pain since she was 17 due to fibromyalgia. Now, Amy had been taking low doses of the medicine, of the medicine prescribed to her and still, it still had side effects. And she knew if she took more than what she'd been using, the results would be unpredictable. But feeling that she had nothing to lose, she followed her doctor's exact prescription and took the full dose of medicine to lessen her pain. Well, she quickly fell into a coma. Now, Amy's NDE can be found on the website NDERF, Near Death Experience Research Foundation.org website. And I have, but in my book, um, all about NDEs that I will go into her into her uh, actual episode and we'll talk about it right now. So the cause of Amy's NDE. So she had a good reason to try to lessen her discomfort. Fibromyalgia is a very debilitating uh, disease. According to the Wikipedia, what it is, it's called FM or FMS, is characterized by chronic widespread pain and a heightened and useful painful response to pressure. And fibromyalgia symptoms are not restricted to pain, leading to the use of a, the alternative term, fibromyalgia syndrome, for the condition. Other symptoms include debilitating fatigue, sleep disturbance, and joint stiffness. Some people also report difficulty with swallowing. So it's it's a you know it's not a it's a very hard disease. So therefore, the day to day struggle for Amy must have been immense, and one can well understand despair in the search for an ultimate solution to her difficult trial. And Amy describes the fast effects of the medicines she swallowed. This is what she says: "I went to bed after taking all three, and within minutes felt myself begin to go numb. Then the inside of my nasal passages swelled up, and I couldn't breathe at all. I couldn't even open my mouth. I was struggling to get air, but could not." My entire body felt like it was mummified. I couldn't call out for help. And it took only a couple of minutes before the struggle was over. So she felt as others before her an urge to rise in the sense of leaving it all behind, even her pain. So next is where the story diverges from any others I have read. So she enters a portal where others are also present and sensing other souls who have been released from their bodies isn't the difference. But what happens next is, is what she writes. The next thing I remember is pulling through some kind of portal along with many others. I felt like I was in a waiting room. There are many others coming through and I begin to watch them move in. I watched a group of about three teenage boys come through who had an energy away and away about them that was very obnoxious. They were big and seemed stupid and even a little threatening. I was, as I was looking at them, it came to me that they had died in a car accident where they had all been drunk. Another woman came through who looked to be in her 50s or so. She was quite the chatterbox and was talking on and on. I listened to her for a minute and she told me how proud she was of her sexy body and how well she had taken care of herself in her life, how good she looked. 
she proceeded to try and show me her body. I noticed that she had a fake color of skin, like she's either been going to tanning booth or laying out under the sun for way too long. Her hair looked to be a fake color of blonde, and even her breasts looked like she's had implants, which I seemed to just know without having to ask. It came to me she died of skin cancer. She seemed to want to talk about herself a lot. I became bored and moved on. A lot of others came through. This room or area did not feel very bright to me. And despite the fact that I was receiving somehow information that these people were dead, I hadn't accepted that because everything felt so real and natural, so seemingly alive. Nothing felt shocking or strange. I was simply very curious about what it was all about. So, again, it's telling us what Spiritism has told us. We are who we were when we pass over. We don't suddenly turn into an angel. The people in the room were all dead, yet they acted the same as they behaved in life. This is the realization that may be the most difficult for many people. We are not turned into some angelic being with wings as our spirit leaves our bodies. Unfortunately, we are what we are in life and death. And if a deceptive, conniving, and scrupulous person suddenly dies, they are the same after passing over, as is the pious, gentle soul who cared for many. Yet, slowly after we pass over to the real world, those who realize the love and caring surrounding us and the part we must play in our path to perfection our mental facilities increase. We begin to regain memories of our past lives. We see our life and world from a new perspective. And Amy saw a hint of this when she reported later in her account. This is what she said. I lost my temper in horrible ways, and I have great trouble with forgiveness. And yet, I felt only love and understanding through the entire life review. What it felt like to me was that I was being given the opportunity and gift of being able to stand back and more fully understand and love myself. I was able to feel exactly what others around me had felt during my life. I understood how everything I did and said and even thought had touched others around me in one way or another. I was able to even enter the minds and emotional centers of many who had been around me and understand where they were coming from in their own thinking, how their own personal views and life's experiences had brought them to the places each stood. I felt their own struggling and their own fears, their own desperate need for love and approval, and more than anything, I could feel how childlike everyone was. With every person I viewed, including myself, I was able to see and feel with a higher mind and eye. And the feeling I had toward everyone was nothing less than what a loving mother would feel for her own children at toddler age. So I believe how Amy discovers her feelings for all of us on earth is how the higher level spirits who determine our path and guide us appreciate the human race. Chico Xavier told the world that we have no idea how much love God and Jesus has for us all. This should be no mystery. After all, after all, why else would Jesus send his messengers to earth to proclaim time after time how we should behave and believe? Of course, the last, the latest herald being Alan Kardec, who not only codified the doctrine of spiritism, but revealed the entire spirit world to us, how we arrived here on this planet and why we must reincarnate, reincarnate and what is life like in the spirit world. Next, Amy met another woman in the room. This is what she said. There was a young woman who came up to me. She had beautiful, almost greenish eyes and the most lovely shade of red hair. She began to tell me about herself. She told me that she had died with a feeling that was similar to drowning, slowly backing out with no, no way to breathe. And yet I wasn't sure if she actually drowned. When, while she told me of her death telepathically, I actually experienced at a certain level what she felt. I was able to physically parallel her own memory. She started to give me orders, tell them this, etc., tell them that, etc. She was giving me personal information about herself. I had no idea why, but I politely listened. One thing she said that she wanted me to tell them that I love to sing. She gave a quick impromptu singing performance to those immediately around us, and I thought her voice was beautiful. I was also awed by how she was free during her performance to actually elevate herself 
and move through space around her without touching the ground. It was like watching an underwater dance without the water. I don't know why I wasn't more shocked or why I accepted this so well. I noticed how at a certain part of her song, her beautiful red hair seemed to grow longer. I had thought it interesting that she could choose to have longer hair at will. This young woman, maybe close to 19 or 20, also told me she had regretted not hanging in there, how it would have been better to stay and work out her issues. But she also told me to tell them how free I feel now. So, as I'm saying tonight, remember the redhead woman who sang, because she comes in again later in the story. And in your mind, put this thought, coincidences aren't necessarily by chance. Many are manufactured by the spirit world. For us here in our cocoon, safe in our little world, what appears to be random events often are not. Another interesting facet is Amy's observation of the young woman's hair growing longer. In the spirit realm, our minds shape our bodies. Our thoughts make us appear as we believe we should look. Hence, the woman was changing into her true self, all by the power of her mind. This is what spiritism tells us. It reveals the immense power we have when we rise into the spirit hierarchy. In the book, Psychographed by Francisco Chico C. Xavier, there are numerous instances of spirits changing shape and features to correspond to their mind's eye of themselves. In one book, by a different medium, a spirit presents himself to another group of spirit as his appearance in one life, then changes into another person from his life before. The power of our mind is greater than you think. This is why we are shackled to this planet until we reach the required maturity to handle this immense gift. After all, do you let your 14-year-old drive? No, they must wait until they have been trained, demonstrate responsibility, and pass a test. We are here on this earth because we haven't verified our capacity to handle the great responsibility of our potential strength. No one in their right mind will let an immature child drive a vehicle which could harm others, and correspondingly, God doesn't let us off this closed campus until we behave correctly. Next, Amy notices how people start to find each other and form cliques, just like closed groups in high school. I remember that we had congregated into a much bigger and brighter room, our area, where, the, where there were many, many others present. Everyone was so busy talking and getting to know each other. It felt similar to the scene in a high school cafeteria. People even seemed to want to quickly find others they related to or felt at ease with, and there were even little groups that began to form. So what is different about the after-death experience, and this, again, is revelation, is not that we are separated into two groups. Most religions throughout history have preached the good rises and the bad descend, but that Spiritism tells us that we are separated into many groups. We land where others are attuned to us. The spiritual and compassionate rise up to souls like themselves. The deceitful gather together. Murderers and hardened criminals are herded to one area where they can enjoy each other's company until one by one a decision is made to change their behaviors and beliefs. So there isn't just heaven and there's not like a purgatory, no. Spiritism tells us there's no there's no hell. There's no eternal purgatory. But there are many levels of heaven, and there are levels of the umbral or lower zone, and there's levels of the dark abyss, which you could call purgatory. So there, and so, and the spiritists tell us there's no one all good or all bad, right? Everyone has different racials and mixture, and therefore anyone who is down into the lower levels, the dark abyss or the lower level, which you may call a type of purgatory, the different levels. If that person decides to change their character and attitude and starts loving people instead of being sarcastic and mean and taking advantage, they will rise. So next, Amy discovers what each in the room had in common. At a certain inter interval, I noticed a man move into the room. I sensed something about him. He felt safe and balanced to me. I just knew that I could trust him to tell me what was going on. It still had not occurred to me that I might be dead, and I wasn't sure I'd accepted the fact that these people were deceased either. So I moved toward this man, and another note, moving didn't really involve walking, just intent of desire to go. Now, as a side note, I'll stop right there. That's called volatation in spiritist literature. Volatation is you move at the speed of thought. 
when you're up in heaven somewhere or some other planet or some other galaxy, you think, oh, I want to go to earth and you're there. The speed of light is not a speed limit in the spirit world. And approach, so then she says she, she moved toward the man and, and approached him with a question. Who are you? He looked at me and I realized he was a kind of teacher or guide for this group. He explained that he had died in the truck accident. He had been a truck driver by profession. He was a Latino man. He told me that he was not a perfect man, but he had mastered humility. I know that sounds ironic, but when I was with him, I could truly feel that he hadn't a, shreft, a shred of self-regard, or as we say, pride about him. He explained that he had come to help teach them importance of humility to this group of people because they had been so self-absorbed in their lives, they hadn't been able to learn vital lessons and had aborted their own lives. He seemed to be telling me that in one way or another, these people had committed suicide. So in spiritism, there is a concept of unconscious suicide where you either drink yourself or you do something dangerous or you, you have too many uh, times in the tanning bed. Like she talked about that one woman who died of skin tanter or, or you know, drunken like the boys who died in a drunken car crash. These now in our culture, they're not committed suicide, but in spiritism, they are deemed, you know, they are called unconscious suicide. So when we reincarnate, we are given a form to use for the full term of our plan. For the same reason, students are expected to take care of their books until the class is finished. We are tasked with the same obligation. Not only had the entire group neglected their assigned physical bodies, but they chose to skip class instead of learning to be free of the material world to engage in love for their fellow humans. They turned inward and concentrated their energy slowly upon themselves, missing an opportunity to take that next step in personal responsibility. So a spirit who loves unconditionally and knows how that to serve is the greatest calling of all will start on that path to become a pure spirit. So just to repeat, in the spirit realm, this type of behavior, this reckless behavior that cuts short your life is called unconscious suicide. You didn't take an open and deliberate step to end your life, but a series of decisions that you knew deep inside you may lead you to an untimely end. You rationalize each phase as being inconsequential and wanted the pleasure to do much to measure the possible long-term risk. We see this type of behavior every day on the streets and in the TV shows which bombard us with false choices between one mistake and another. The only choice is how much of our hard-earned money should we sacrifice for a momentary inclination. So these people, their curriculum was abandoned early. These poor souls will learn that the penalty is to stay on earth in a not-so-pleasant location until their normal time would have been up. Then they will be assisted by spirit workers who will lead them to spiritual centers where they shall acquire their responsibilities and prepare themselves for their next reincarnation. Hopefully the lesson will be so ingrained so in their next life they won't even think of escaping their duty again. Now, Amy understood this to be the case when she discovered this, is what she says. He explained how he needed to teach this group of people how vital it is to let go of themselves, how to lose their obsession with themselves, how they will be stagnant in all progress if they cannot unchain themselves from their own self-obsessions. He had to teach them the importance of humility, and yet he shook his head, smiling slightly, and he implied that there was very little he could help them with without their bodies. His hope was to instill more of a passion for what he had to teach, strong enough that would leave a seed of light that might stay with them through their sojourns. Now, this seed of light, this thought, will be all that they possess when they wander in the lower zones, neither in one of the celestial cities or the dark abyss for their allotted period of time. When the spiritual guides come to gather members of the group, they will think back on the advice given to them when they first pass from their life. The process of reincarnation will help this group of people slowly over the course of centuries. They shall grow in wisdom and caring, each one destined someday to become a pure spirit. Reincarnation, as told to us by Spiritism, other religions believe in reincarnation, but Spiritism really stresses and tells us the exact reason why we're here on earth. That is the vehicle to transform each of us. Each blemish and imperfection is removed as we travel through varied life events. 
every trial demonstrates what we should or shouldn't do in our next existence. The concept of reincarnation is, is present, as I said, in many religions. This should be of no surprise since the messages all originated from the spirit realm. Here are three examples from Christianity, Hinduism, and Buddhism of what we've been told regarding the need to be careful in what deeds we commit, for in the next life we shall have to atone for our wrongs. In the Gospel according to Matthew, Jesus said, Be merciful that you may obtain mercy. Forgive so that you may be forgiven. As you judge, so will you judge, be judged. And as you serve, so will service be done to you. And whatever you measure out, that is what will be returned to you. Jesus wasn't just talking about this life. He was talking about the whole Penelope, the whole, you know, arc of your many lives. Krishna, everyone creates their own fate. Even life in the womb is affected by the karma from a previous life. And Buddha, from a sound and echo returns, a body creates a shadow. So too will misery come to him who does evil works. That was from the, the three sermons. Now, so in her conversation, let's get back to Amy. She asked the guide, this is what she said. I asked him point blank. If these people are dead, what am I? I don't know why it took me so long to grasp the fact of this reality. He explained gently, they are dead. You are in between. You are as if in a coma. You're not the same. At this point, she realizes she must leave. She walks through the room towards an exit and has an unpleasant experience. As I move toward the corner of the room to leave, at least a couple of the drunken, stupid boys suddenly lunge at me with words like, she's alive, touch her. It was very creepy. They were actually grabbing at me and trying to yank me back toward them. They even tried to make sexual advances. I was horrified. So now, so I now believe that some of the dead, if not all, still have many earthly or worldly desires. Yes, he's beginning to understand spiritism. Looking back at that part of my experience, I was astounded by how, how earthly, even animal-like people can be on the other side. One might expect that upon entering through death's door, there would be a sudden enlightenment, that maybe everyone would realize absolute goodness and choose light and make a fresh start, possibly becoming more angelic and purified. But in that place, Everyone came in exactly as they've been before. So, as I stated earlier, there is no magical transformation upon death. Spiritism tells us over and over again, louts are still the same. They're still louts. People who are rude and disrespectful do not change. This is why we must suffer through our time on earth. For only by experiencing what we should not do can we internalize the lesson so that in our next life we don't commit this error again. So Amy then started to wander into new territory. When I left that initial place, I began to move quickly and I felt I was safe and comfortable. I felt enveloped in love. There was something, ten, someone tending to me and I seemed to be at absolute peace with this person. There was somewhat light coming from that person's face. I could scarcely see any features in detail, but faintly remember slightly wavy dark hair. And I believe this guide was male, but even so I felt a very maternal sense towards him. It was as if he were like a mother to me, so I hesitate to label him with a gender. I'm not con too concerned with that matter, though. I'll refer to this guide as Mel, though, to make things easier for writing purposes. If I knew his name while with him, then it was taken from me upon my return to my body, because I no longer remember it. I wouldn't be shocked to discover that much memory was pulled from me in regard to personal details of my guide because even my faint memories have been proved painful for me and have made me ache to return. I can't imagine remembering more. It would make being here so much harder. So what is she telling us? She's telling us that Amy has felt with, uh, what others have, immersed in an ocean of love. She was in one of the regions of heaven. And in the regions of heaven, you feel in this environment of love, a feeling which is almost impossible to describe to we here on earth. Our lives with, are bombarded with a multitude of emotions during our waking hours. Socrates told us of the difficulty to learn and to know the truth while alive. That's what he said. While we have our body, and as long as our soul is immersed in this corruption, we will never possess the object of our desire, the truth. In fact, the body brings forth in us a thousand obstacles due to our need to care for it. Moreover, it fills us with desires, appetites, fears, a thousand chimeras, 
and a thousand follies, so that, while in it, it is impossible to be wise, even for an instant. However, since it is not possible to know anything purely while the soul is united with the body, one of two things will happen. Either we will never know the truth, or we will only know to come to know it after death. Freed from the insanity of the body, we will then converse, hopefully, with individuals like lies freed, and we will know for ourselves the essence of things. This is why true philosophers prepare themselves to die, and why death is no way seems fearsome to them. So, freed from the insanity of the body is the core truth of what Socrates is telling us. Our ability to concentrate, to give ourselves to love, think fraternally, are all restricted due to our encapsulation in our body. Of course, Spiritism tells us this is the plan all, all along. We are in our physical forms precisely to be affected by waves of emotions. Only by surviving, being suffocated by the rushing waters of materialism, jealousy, envy, selfishness, and other negative thoughts, can we begin to comprehend how to resist these temptations. Amy also finds out another truth. We aren't allowed to retain perfect memories of our time in the spirit world. Why? Because our memories would be so strong as to make us long to return the spirit realm as quickly as possible. In the book, Between Heaven and Earth, dictated to Francisco C. Xavier by the spirit Andre Luis, a woman named Antonia is given a chance to meet her deceased child, whose name is Marcos, in the spirit world. She finds the child is happy with his life in heaven. She feels wonderful about the experience. And when her spirit is put back into her body, the team leader, whose name is Clarential, with whom Andre and Hilario are assisting, tells them, this is what uh, Clarential, the team leader, says, our friend cannot hold onto the memory of what occurred. Why not? asked Andre. And he goes, very few spirits are capable of living on earth with the visions of life eternal. They need the environment of inner twilight. A full memory of what were, occurred would result in a fatal longing. Each stage in life is characterized by a special purposes. Honey may be tasty nectar, nectar for the child, but it mustn't be given indiscriminately. Too much and becomes a laxative. While we are in the earthly envelope, we cannot stay in contact with the spirit realm too long, or our soul will lose interest in struggling worthily till the end of the body. Antonia will recall our trip, but only vaguely, like someone who brings a beautiful but blurry picture to the living arena of her soul, but she will remember her son more vividly, enough for her to feel reassured and convinced that Marcos is waiting for her in the greater life. Such certainty will be the sweet nourishment for her heart. So if anyone out there has had feelings like this or dreams like this, and I've talked to people like that, hold on to that. You're, you're deliberately, your dreams, it's almost the emotions from your dreams are more important than what you see, because what you see, it's hard to interpret between uh, you know four dimensions versus our three-dimensional world. So the message that we are hearing is that contact with the spirit realm is too enjoyable, a feeling of peacefulness and love that we would, we would constantly long for if we remembered his existence. One of the reoccurring themes of NDEs is the person who is in contact with the spirits tell them that they wish to stay and not to return to their life on earth, but in the end are told, you must go back. It is not your time yet. So, next, what happens to Amy? Well, she was given the great gift to be able to sense the universe as the spirit does. This is what she says. We were traveling upward, I suppose. My own vibration was changing. There was a big change in frequency, like I was turning into a different radio station on a grand scale. I was out in the universe, and I was being given a kind of show, like having an astronomy, astronomy teacher speak on the beauty of the universe while lying under the stars at night. But I was out there amidst them. And this part seems to have been made foggy for me since my return. But I remember vaguely that during this scene, I saw something like holographic words and numbers move in front of me past the stars. And it felt like I was being downloaded with information. I felt at the time that I understood everything. And I felt the full truth of laws and order in the universe. And one thing that I held onto was the beautiful math of the universe. I remember coming to understand that there was a, a supreme and perfect kind of math that was in and of all things that existed. I remember being told something about Einstein. I was so excited. It was such a pleasant experience. 
I was also shown how there's a kind of clockwork in the sky, how the stars themselves actually hold a sort of map or mathematical key to everything that is. You are written in the stars, I was told. Everything is. I recall how thrilling this part of my NDE was for me. So Amy didn't realize it, but she was shedding her dense spirit, which had been trapped on earth with her and transforming it into a lighter and higher spirit, a spirit who had the ability to immediately know the universe, to comprehend the completeness of God's design. When Amy said she felt like the information was being downloaded, what was actually occurring is that she had access to the information that always had been in her spirit and always had had the tools to go uh, access the universal cloud, as I call it, with all the information, and she could pull that information in. And also she discovered that she already had the set of divine laws inside her. We all do. We only need to follow the good advice of our conscience and learn not to rationalize, rationalize away the reasons to perform good deeds. Now, as an aside, I also know of a medium. Now, most mediums, they talk to spirits. Now, this one medium, very interesting. He has the ability to think of a name or something like that, and he accesses the universal cloud. He accesses the data that is about that person. He doesn't talk to a specific spirit. He is able to access the data and get really, he told me things about himself that only he could know of what is going on. So there's so much out there. And this is when they say is math. I keep saying spirits call us, you know, that we're personalities. We are, we are this logical, we are this logical um, apparatus. We're like, you can look at us like we are a cell phone. And as we rise in heaven, we get more and more apps and we can communicate with more and more places. And we each become unique, our own characteristics, our personality. And God and Jesus make sure that, you know, even though we are all this super human, you know, perfect soul at some time with enormous power, we all have our unique personality and characteristics. Now. With all this newfound information, Amy is finally able to grasp why we are here. This is what she says. I had been taught in my life that we had but one life to live. I never even considered reincarnation. And that some people get to have the most incredible luxury and wonders that anyone could imagine. And others are tested because of their valiant spirits and have to deal with terrible miseries to prove their strength. While still others, like small children all over the world, are born to suffer through starvation, disease, rape, mutilation, even years and years of torture, only to die and then get their just reward. This didn't seem like much of a test to me. It seemed insane. I couldn't make logic of it. And when I begged religious leaders for answers, I was told that sometimes God lets wicked people torture good people so that he can punish the wicked for their deeds. Otherwise, he couldn't punish them for anything. The whole system just seemed sick to me. I couldn't completely respect this notion. In my NDE, though, I came to understand that most of us have lived much, much longer than we could even fathom, that our lives that feel so very long are really infinitesimal when placed in the whole picture, which for that matter can't even be framed. That's because, as a side, we are immortal. I was shown how every single individual through their own free will chooses path that mathematically take them to the circumstances of their net, next existence of life that nothing at all sits in accidents or chaos, that every single aspect of our lives are ruled by natural laws that we place ourselves in, that in a sense we create our own worlds. I was shown how one can never assume either that if someone lives a life of suffering, that this is because of evil deeds. Many may choose a life of suffering because of what it awakens in them or to help another, etc. We can never ever assume that we can be accurate in guessing why each being lives the life they live. I cannot describe the relief, the refreshing, peaceful bomb that this knowledge was for me, to finally gather this truth that I'd yearned for all my life, that all is good, that there is a sense and beauty all around, that no one is just free-falling as it has seemed before, that God doesn't just get to toy with us as he pleases with random ideas of test, including rewards and punishment that just depend upon his current mood or mindset. Well, in this experience, out in the vast knowledge of stars and planets, moons and knowledge, I knew complete trust for what it felt like the first time. This was bliss for me. I had lived in fear and, and distrust and panic for 30 consecutive years. 
What Amy just said put the kernel of the doctrine of spiritism into two distinct paragraphs. We travel through multiple lives. Each life is a series of planned events. Like an undergraduate list of classes required to graduate, you, the student, is shuffled from class to class, where hopefully you pick up something valuable from the lecture. And if you don't, well, then you get to retake the class. What you think are life-changing decisions are set up for you. Coincidences didn't lead you to the present situation. The spirit world, in partnership with you, most often, laid out a blueprint. Random encounters weren't so random. The people you, who you, you were raised with, brothers and sisters, aunt and uncles, and parents, weren't by chance. In one sense, this is a bit frightening. The foreknowledge that our life on earth will contain suffering and at times. On the other hand, it is extremely exciting. You are being trained. Your destiny is to be a higher spirit to live forever in the bliss described by Amy. Now next, Amy is blessed with the opportunity to review her life, a practice so few of us perform with complete honesty and self-awareness, me included. This is what she said. My guide stood by at a certain time. It was very difficult to me to place any of this in chronological order as time felt so different there. It was almost a, as if many things happened at once and yet separately. So there are parts of this experiences I can't honestly place in any order. That's because they, there is no time in the spirit world. You'll see the whole flow of time. I go through this in many other videos in my uh, YouTube and BitChute channel, talking about time and how the different dimensions are. And also in my books, my series of three books, Heaven and Below, uh, Spirit and the Spirit Universe, and how we're guided by spirits. But I'll talk more about those books later. Let me finish what she says. So, he lovingly stayed as my support while I had a kind of life review. I never felt chastised at all, even though I know I've been very cruel at times and I've hurt many people. I've lost my temper in horrible ways and I've had great trouble with forgiveness. And yet, I felt only love and understanding through the entire life review. What it felt like to me was that I was being given the opportunity and the gift to be able to stand back and more fully understand and love myself. I was able to feel exactly what others around me had felt during my life. I understood how everything I did and said and even thought had touched others around me in one way or another. I was able to even enter the minds and emotional centers of many who had been around me and understand where they were coming from in their own thinking, how their personal views and lives experiences had brought them to the places each stood. I felt their own struggling and their own fears their own desperate need for love and approval. And more than anything, I could feel how childlike everyone was. With every person I viewed, including myself, I was able to see and feel with a higher mind and eye. And the feeling I had toward everyone was nothing less than what a mother lover, a loving mother would feel for her own children at toddler age. It was actually comical at moments. At moments, I could see and feel how the elders, as I will call them, there are those who are helpers on the other side who have mastered themselves in many or all ways and help work with us, see us and find so much humor in the way we do things. It might seem brutally annoying to consider when we are in the midst of a great argument or drama that is playing out in our lives that the elders view these things very much like when a mother sees her two-year-old scream and cry and bop another child on the head with a stuffed animal. The mother doesn't want her child to fall apart and become hysterical and cry. She feels for her child, but at the same time, she sees a little bit of comedy and how seriously the child takes what is usually a trivial drama. She continues to love her child and think the world of it, hoping it will go on enjoying the day, living and learning. So what did Amy just tell us? She presents us with two vital facts about ourselves and the spirit world. First, she illustrates how we should love and look at ourselves from the point of view of the other person. Love entails forgiveness and understanding. Like any of us, at times we feel wrong and we blame the transgressor. We attribute a litany of ill will against the person who's the target of our scorn. We fail to sit back and place ourselves in the shoes of others. Yes, sometimes there may be a true desire to inflict harm, and even for this we must forgive, since that desire usually comes from some tragedy in the person's past. We should understand the difficult trial that they are in and pray for their eventual success. But for most of the time, the transgression is an innocent oversight. We should realize how all of us are constantly distracted by the vicissitudes of life 
and often lacked a resolve to fully examine our actions upon others. Secondly, Amy echoes the sentiment of the spirit world that I have read in other spiritist books. We are looked upon as children, barely able to decipher between right and wrong. And when we reincarnate, the, ho how the hopes are high, but the expectations are low. Unfortunately, as reported in spiritist literature, the vast majority of us fail to fully utilize the opportunities presented to us. We waste the effort on surviving the trial by feeling sorry for ourselves and turning inwards instead of using the opportunity to help others more. Since we are required assistance and that we now realize what people really need, a helping hand, a kind gesture, or a shoulder, shoulder to cry on. Whatever occurs, positive thoughts are continually sent our way by the higher spirits, cheering us on and gently guiding our movements toward the next lesson. Now, let's talk about the next phase when Amy returns. When her newfound knowledge, with her newfound knowledge, Amy felt comfortable and at home. It was a sharp jolt when she was told it was time to return. She shook and resisted the idea of leaving what was so wonderful, a place of respite a respite away from the confines of a dense body. The spirit world showed Amy the future of her loved ones without her. Again, this is a recurring theme in NDEs, near-death experiences. Not only is our future determined, but when one variable is altered, the new path of everyone we have come into contact with is recalculated. He came, this is what she says, he came closer to me and I was comforted and he calmly encouraged me to be strong. He told me to look to my left. As I did, I saw a school bus pull up in the distance. A small child was escorted out and brought to me. I recognized that it was my own daughter, who at the time was only four years old. She had been asked in her sleep to come in spirit to help me. She walked up to me, tugged at me a little, and sweetly said in an encouraging voice, But mommy, who will take care of us? <laughs> That's good. Love on the other side, at least in my experience, is so much bigger, so much more full than here. And you are more honest with your love. You cannot turn others away who are in need. At least that was my experience. And there was no way I could have turned down my own daughter's plea. Without hesitation, I answered, oh, honey, I will, of course. And my daughter was then escorted back to the, to the bus. My guide smiled knowingly, reminded me that he was not forcing me to go back. I looked at him. I looked at him and back at the planet Earth, feeling so frightened, still not wanting to depart and separate from him. The pain of division still seared through me. I cried and I told him I wasn't sure I could do it. And he said, look to your right. I looked to my right and saw a holographic figure. It was my own mother. It was a view of her in the future. And she seemed tired and in need of help. I will not go into detail here because I want to respect her privacy. But I felt myself lean towards this futuristic hologram with a desire to touch or help it somehow. Even though it wasn't presently occurring, it felt alive to me. And I noted that as I leaned forward to, toward her, that I was a gardener wanting to prune some foliage. The hologram faded out and my guide said, see, it is time. You want to go. Now, the other revelation that Amy tells us, tells us in her account is our ability to detach our spirits from our body when we sleep and talk to other spirits. Amy's daughter was escorted from her sleeping body and allowed to meet her mother in the spirit world. Amy understood that one of her most vital missions on earth is to raise her daughter. Parenthood is a sacred duty for we are preparing other souls for their destiny, fortifying them with good intentions so we may improve themselves in their life. Amy returned to her body. Her guide asked her to point herself toward earth in return. She came back, her spirit connected via her paraspirit for her whole journey, which is the long silver cord joined once again to her body. Feeling her entire body filled with electrical energy, she fully regained the ability to breathe and feel. Her husband woke up and saw her adjusting to life once again, asked if she needed an ambulance. She replied that she would be just fine. Annie tells us the results of the sojourn in the spirit realm. She says, since that time, everything has changed for me. My health has returned. I get stronger and stronger each year. To my own surprise, I found the day after this event that I felt well, except that I could not eat any meat at all, nor did I have any desire to. I've been a vegetarian since then. I eat a lot of raw organic foods. I don't eat anything with chemical ingredients and keep my food very pure. My children and husband eat mostly this way too. 
now and we are all feeling great. I could no longer continue with the religion I grew up in. This was not easy for me to walk away from, but I couldn't stay and maintain my own personal truth and integrity. And yet, I have gratitude for having grown up in that religion and trust that it served its purpose for me. I am also at peace with the religious choices and needs of others. I found I desired much less. Within the first week after my NDE, I was cleaning out my house, wanting to get rid of the many things, a lot of de decor, music CDs that I didn't find in harmony with the vibration I desired. I lost my desire to want to shop as much as I had previously. Amy, who had felt pain every day to her, due to her condition, found a new lease on life. Her mental condition, her love and compassion has influenced her body and allowed it to heal. While many illnesses are naturally occurring, we can always maintain our positive attitude, pray and meditate to strengthen our resolve and heal ourselves. Amy let go of her overwhelming material desires, knowing that all matter is transitory, only our spiritual self is eternal. Our knowledge, love, and compassion stay with us. All other baggage is discarded. Whereas we use shopping to fill a void, find temporary enjoyment for whatever exact purpose, the root cause is the same. We place our inner peace in a connection to the earth. Tethering ourselves to the planet is counterproductive. We should concentrate our energies on freeing up all ties, all restraints that aren't useful in our everyday lives. Now, one more coincidence. The spirit world is wise. They realize that Amy could have awakened from her, her near-death experiences, thinking that this could have all been a dream, even if she believed others may have broken her resolve by questioning her visit to the other side. The other shoe to her NDE dropped on her soon after she recovered. Within a couple of days, coming back from my end, this is what she said, coming back from my NDE, I stumbled upon a woman who was being consoled by many others. When everyone had dispersed, I asked her what was the matter, and she told me she just found out that her daughter had died. She'd been found in Southern California, and she didn't know why or how she died. I asked to see a picture of her daughter, having the strong intuitive sense that I met her daughter on the next, on the other side. The next day, she met me at my house. She had a black and white picture of her daughter, but I recognized her right away, and I said, did she have pretty reddish color to her hair and the most unusual green eyes? And she answered, yes, she did. I told her about my NDE and how I had this beautiful girl come and speak to me and ask me to give information to her family. I told her all that I could remember her daughter telling me, and it made perfect sense to the mother. She told me that shortly before her death, she heard from others, she and her daughter had been estranged, that her daughter had begun to sing and loved it passionately. There was private information I was able to offer that gave this woman much comfort. I told her of her daughter's regrets and not having learned more while here. We learned a week later or so through the coroner how she died, which confirmed for me what the young woman on the other side had said to me about her death and what it was like. So Amy's experience is one more point of light for the rest of us. The spirit world, fully conscious of the immense power of the internet, is betting on the proliferation of real stories by real people from all corners of the world. It is popular in our culture today to question the existence of God. After all, there's no concrete proof. Well, there is actually evidence all around us, like children who can't find what they're looking for when it is staring them right in the face. Millions of, millions of us are doing the same. The spirit world isn't going to give us the answers to the test. It is our responsibility to discover the truth. The truth is laying about all over. We just have to open our minds and our heart to see it. So I hope you enjoyed this story about Amy. And again, all this is in my book, Near What Really Happens During Near-Death Experiences According to Spiritism. Now, I have another book out with even more, that, which I will go through um, in, in my next series. I won't start yet, but I'll go through my next series of talks on Wednesday. I talk every Wednesday here on Spiritism, the spirit world around us at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, all time zones in between around the world. And I'll continue to talk more and more about near-death experiences. And the next book I have is The Spirit World Talks to Us, 12 Accounts from Near-Death and Other Experiences. But if you're interested in how all this works and what is the spirit world and what we should learn, I recommend that you read my book, heaven and below.
in fact, I have, is a series of three books, Heaven and Below, Book One of Spiritism, How We Are Guided by Spirits, Book Three of Spiritism, and Spirits and the Spirit Universe, I'm sorry, Spirit and Spirit Universe, Book Two of Spiritism, and How We Are Guided by Spirits, Book Three of Spiritism. And in it is all the information that we have been able and I have been able to glean from different mediums who have talking to many high spirits all on you know in in conformance with the spiritist doctrine all the way starting from alan kardec in the 1850s codified spiritism was codified by alan kardec by talking to using alan kardec was not a medium he posed the same question 1019 questions to multiple mediums throughout europe and he did not codify his book spirits the spirits book unless he got similar or the exact same message from uh, from the books. So I just want to make sure that you, if you're interested in how all this works, the links to these books are will be below. And, and at the last, I also want to get everyone, if you want to learn about Alan Kardec, there is a great Netflix movie called Kardec. It tells you his time in the 1850s in Paris and France. He was very suspicious. He didn't believe all this stuff about spirits. And then things happened to him that changed his mind. So I would recommend everyone to look at that. You will be amazed by this movie. Now, lastly, if you would like to learn more about spiritism, and I would, I would love to help anyone I could, I recommend that if you'd like to talk to me or someone else who understands spiritism, to ask us questions, pose, you know, say, hey, I don't believe this. That's fine. People said that to me. I said, well, you know, I can't answer that for you. And here are, you know, things to think about. But you are on your own. But I can help explain things, you know, and help guide you in directions. That's all I, I, all I want to do. And that is spiritismstudy.org. And you, you scroll down a little bit and you can get a time. Uh, let's say for, for me, what we'll do is I'll get an email from you and then I'll email you back saying, can we talk by like Skype or WhatsApp? Uh, and then we can have a good conversation. So I want to say everyone, thanks for listening to me. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel or the BitChute channel. Please share this. Please hit the bell. Tell your friends. Share this video on Facebook if you can. And because um, Spiritism tells us so much. It explains the world. It explains why we are on earth. It explains why bad things happen to good people and good things happened to bad people. And it's all part of this long arc of the story. And each of us go through. Don't be jealous of anyone because you may not be rich and famous this time, but you may be the next time. But although I'll tell you, even as Jesus said, in the spirit book says, being rich is the hardest trial we have because you are, you have so much temptation coming at you. So you don't really want to hope that, but each to their own. Anyway, I want to say God bless to everyone. God bless.